same old trouble Villains always knocking at the door Pretty pictures on the page But nothing ever stays the same Thank you, Vandello, and welcome again, true believers, to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wapta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri, and with me, as always, is the parent to my runaways. It's Bear. The runaways just speaks to me on a weird level, just because of my own parental issues, and there's been so much about the series that I really enjoy. This is going to be a fun. We are doing Runaways today. It is a show that is on Hulu. It is currently in its second season. Bear has only watched the first. Jed and I are super into it. We're almost done with it. I got a lot of homework to catch up on, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this show is your homework. It's great. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Runaways itself, the graphic novel that we're going to go over is called Dead Wrong. It is one of the re-releases of Runaways. Kind of a new theory. The reason that we're not going with the original is it's actually kind of difficult to track down. None of the comic book stores we were in, even that I've been in in my travel, had it. They had this one, which is done by Terry Moore, who is the same writer and person that came up with the comic book Strangers in Paradise, which was a big comic in the LGBTQ movement. And then Inks by Humberto Ramos, who does a lot of Marvel stuff. He did Spider-Man famously for a while. He has a very, very distinct style to art, and that's very dynamic. Yeah. Things changed so many times art-wise. Art gave me the reminder of Sunday Comics, your funnies. Right. Not because they are a bunch of, the disparate bunch of artwork, but that everything changes so much from one comic strip to the next, and because he has that level of uh, dynamism in his artwork. Yeah, he changes a lot. His signature things are the elongated faces. His expressions are drawn in a way that it is not, realistic it's not what a human face would look like but it encapsulates so much emotion in what's going on that it's almost a caricature of emotion and perfect for runaways which is about a bunch of teenagers on the run because the emotions there are running right and teenagers in general like in dead wrong this series that we're going over they are coming back to los angeles a lot of things have happened there is a lot of, obviously, progression that has happened within the story. There are elements, definitely, of the TV show here. You can see how this was one of the things, personality-wise, for each of the characters. Yeah. That they pulled a lot of that. The character relationships and the personalities, everything is, is very apparent in both the novel and the series. This episode is in most. We will be talking about the first season of Runaways, so there will be spoilers for that. However, we're not going to give as many spoilers for the actual comic book, because we want you to read it. We want you to experience the Runaways. If you can get your hands on the original first series, I know that there was a run in 2014 that they put out that was like the complete collection. That goes over the story that primarily happens within the first season. Yeah, and I haven't had the opportunity to read that yet, and I would like to find it because this was a great story. I want to get all the backstory. You know, well, I want to get everything from the beginning. This is a great jumping on point, but it does pull no punches to reference things that have happened previously. They mentioned that they had a base at the tar pit at one point, and Iron Man showed up and kicked them out of it. 
which was one of my things that I wanted to talk about. It's the TV series they don't reference anything from the MCU. Right. And would the series have benefited from that? I think so. News just broke actually earlier this week. There is also a Cloak and Dagger show. That is, yeah, I've already actually been watching Cloak and Dagger. That's on Freeform. This is on Hulu. There's going to be a crossover between Cloak and Dagger and Runaways. Oh, that would be amazing. That actually led into one of my questions that I was bringing to this. We have the MCU. At this point, MCU is kind of winding down a little bit. They really, after Endgame, they're really kind of painted themselves into a corner with the MCU. And I don't know how that's going to play out. Obviously, I'm sure they have plans. They're going to be releasing things. But if you look at things like if Freeform and Hulu are willing to work together and willing to do this crossover, why not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, honestly, I think that's the biggest drawback to everything in the MCU is that you've got all these different companies that have different rights to different intellectual material. Why can't we just all work together? Everybody could make money off of this. Right. Just take the time to work together, not hoard your resources, and make these crossovers. People will love this. Oh, yeah. No, you take the Cloak and Dagger story, which we're getting a little bit off the runways, but bear with me. You take the Cloak and Dagger story, which is very much about race and opportunity and classism and things like that. And then you look at Runaways, which deals with kind of the same classes issues because the parents are... Because they were from the upper class right. echelon and then just right. got dumped down, like smacked on their heads into poverty. Yeah, what? Yeah. Poverty, we're running away from everything. We have nothing left anymore except our own right. our own lives, our own resources. And Alex, you run into that same story. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the crossover between Cloak and Dagger and Runaways, that you have something between Cloak and Alex where they came from those similar backgrounds. Well, Alex already had elevated themselves, but he came yeah. that idea of the street level hero. Something happens, there's legal trouble, Cloak gets arrested. It can't be Alex because they're runaway. They would give it back to their parents. But into the room walks Matt. I'm here to represent. See, that would be amazing. Just those little cameos. Yeah. Just those little bits, as long as they're, and they don't even necessarily have to be the same actor. Man, it's too much. Yeah. So, yeah. tell me about if it was. Yeah. Even if it's not the same actor, just right. a blind lawyer walks in, I am that Murdoch and you're Or somebody gets hired to track down the runaway, and it's Jessica Chuck. Exactly. How do you not just squeeze those things in there? From what I've read, and again, not an entertainment lawyer by any means, they can't use those characters for two years from the cancellation on Netflix. But that would be uh, next year in the fall. The yeah. A Marvel TV universe with these crossovers would be so cool. And you're just leaving money on the table. I get that. Right. And sure, the logistics become a nightmare. But put it together. Do your due diligence on it at least. And see what you come up with. And you could make some serious cash. If you can do Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you could do a Marvel TV universe. Careful, I almost did a spit take. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the differences in the characters. The biggest one that I had, and an opportunity, but we're talking about this, linking it all together in Marvel, Molly's a mutant in the Runaways comic. Yes, I got that a lot when 
got a lot of information on the original comic with that. She's a mutant in the series. She technically is still a mutant. Technically, they have not said what she is or what the deal is. Since we're talking about it was spoiling the series, when they do the flashback to prepare her, Perry's dying. Yeah. Right before that explosion goes off, she has woken up. She they right. put her to bed. She's woken up. She's playing with the rocks in the other room, and she picks up a rock, and all of a sudden her eyes get to glow. So it's kind of that radiation. That's where she, so she had direct contact with this thing they pulled out of the earth. And I yeah. wonder if it's an Inhumans tie. It could be. Because the Inhumans is already an ancient shield. So there's been a huge thing about it. was Black Rock when she picked up that scene was hmm, less than five seconds. If you were looking down your phone, you'd have missed it. I'm wondering then if that's the misdirection because at the time that the first season was done for Runaways, there was no Disney Fox deal. That could be your back door of, if we have to explain this later, we can, but let's hold off on it. Interesting. We'll see what happens in third season. Because so far in the yeah. second season, they haven't dealt with it. I haven't watched any second season yet. Don't spoil I'm not. And talking about Molly as a mutant, in the comic book, there's an entire new character called Zabin, who is a, a, a cyborg. No, the Skrull. The Skrull. That's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Victor's the cyborg. We're really not going to get into him because there's no... Read the comic for, for that character. He's a lot of fun. Very literal, very vision-like in a lot of the stuff. Who was the, the DC cyborg? Yes, this is a cyborg. I meant that kind of moment crossover as well in my brain. Yeah. But Zabin was a scroll, And as we know, the scrolls are now in the DC universe, like Captain Marvel. Yes. And possibly certain other scenes that pop up in other movies. Zavin's a fun character. Everybody's like, change into this, do this. I am not here for your amusement. That is not what I'm here for. It does open up that whole crossover again, where you bring in the cosmic element. You already have Carolyn, who obviously is an alien. There's the whole thing with her dad. In the history of Marvel, that race worked with the Skrulls. So there's a whole thing between them. Everybody's worked with the Skrulls. But maybe if you're a race of shapeshifters and you have access to the technology that they do, I can see how you'd want to be a you know a little bit dickish, right? Try to take them for everybody. So I can see how everybody would be at war. It's hard not to keep bringing up Agents of Shield because our listeners have not listened to it. We probably won't do an episode on it. It is unlike anything that was in the comic. Yeah, and I'm going to give you my quick breakdown. Wait for it. Halfway through the first season, your mind will be blown. Hurt. It's such a long wait. I remember we had this discussion when that series first came out because three episodes in, you were done. Gotham came out, yeah, coming out at the same time. You were like, you need to watch Agents of Shield. I was like, no, you need to watch Gotham. We had a suicide pact, <laughs> and you were like, no, no, I'm done. You looked at me and you said, give Agents of Shield twelve episodes. Twelve, really? Yeah. And then I told you, give Gotham seven. And we both did it, and we both watched the hell out of all those shows. Yeah, I still need to watch the last season of Gotham. I actually, after the end of season, okay, spoiler alert, the end of season two of Gotham sucks, but apparently keep going. Yeah, and that's funny, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually kind of the same as the Runaways comic. Not necessarily the one that we're talking about, Dead Wrong, but the series as a whole gets a lot into all of the different aspects of Marvel. I am not a fan of the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy 
grabbed me as well as it did is frankly pretty amazing. Space stuff, not a big fan of it. Never been a big fan of it. I'm the guy that is anti-time travel. And again, Runaways, that they get heavy into time travel. Yeah. yeah, other than this book, the other one that I recommend from Runaways that's a hell of a lot of fun is Jobs Weed did a run That's where one of my favorite blips come from because they run into the Punisher and Molly punches him. And as Molly punches him, there's a box that comes up that just goes, Punisher Warger. Ow. <laughs> One of the things that I did, specifically, since we're talking about Molly, I loved the way they kept her character pretty similar in both the series and the graphic novel. Yeah, it's so kind of blew her off in the beginning of the series. The series for Runaways starts off really slow. Yeah. But if you just give it its due diligence, let it run its course, by the time you're at the end of it, you're like, okay, let's go on. By the time I got to the end of the first season, I was like, I should jump into the second season right away and watch that too. But it's 10 o'clock at night, 5 very comes early. I will tell you one of my favorite changes to the series that they did with Bali is making her Hispanic. It adds a whole level. It adds a bunch of stuff about her parents. It adds all of these different, and that she's being raised by white parents. Yes. Apparently her parents are different because in the series they're biochemists yeah. whereas in the graphic novel they're... What are they? They're something completely different. Yeah, they were the ones that had the frog which is the ship that they used to yeah, go yeah, But the thing that I loved about Molly, the thing that really actually turned me on to her character was they did actually a really great job in the series of blowing her off. For most of the series, anytime she said anything, anytime she tried to interact with the her little sister, sister complex, yeah, they pretty much ignored her. Everyone but Chase. Yeah. And the thing that impressed me about the series is, is that Chase is a character that you don't like off the bat. Oh, yeah. You feel sympathy for him, obviously, his dad is. Yeah, he's a general attitude syndrome. Yes. But one of the first redeeming things you get out of him is he is extremely kind to Molly at all times. Even when he's being a jerk to everyone else, he is extremely brotherly to Molly. But the thing that I loved about Molly that did not culminate until the very last episode of season one of the series was that she is Spitfire and that she gets angry. That strength, that power eventually rubs on her personality enough that when she snaps, she's almost hook like Yep. And that line that they delivered in the last episode of season one was where the parents are confronting the kids on the dick site and the parents are like, we're a family. And the kids are like, no, we're a family. And then Molly pipes up and she goes, and we'll fight you if we have to. Yep. Oh, uh, it's a every somebody syrup. Yeah. Oh my God. Like she, and then she goes and she picks up a 55 gallon barrel. And she's going to chuck it at the parents. Just get real. Let's take a moment with that because as people who are familiar with this podcast know, you are a Hulk, Thor, yes. big beat stick fan. You big beat stick fan. And Molly is, she's the beat stick, but she's the opposite of what you think of as a beat stick. Okay. It is the entire idea, kind of like the Hulk. The Hulk is Bruce Banner. Who is this nerdy little scientist guy? But the only criticism 
that would have made Bali better for me personally in the series is that they would have just chosen a shorter actor. Mm. Because in the comics, she is tiny. She is half the size of everybody else. Right. And she is just this monster of strength. Well, and in the series, she's actually a little bit older than the Molly in the the comics. The Molly in the comics is still like 10 or 11. Yeah, it's one of those things that you can't put on a Hulu original series watching a 10-year-old get the crap kicked out of her. Yeah, that... You gotta, you gotta hit at least 13 to kick the crap out <laughs> Well, kick it and all, but... True. Oh, my God. My last little bit here on my sheet is I want to talk about this cast in this show. I want to gush about oh, the cast. So good. Because you have James Marster, Spike from Buffy and Angel, but if you have not listened to the Dresden Files audiobook, of which he reads all of them, his voice is amazing. And his anger in this series, he does a very good disappointed father up until he is an abusive father. He's an abusive father episode one. Right. But he, if he's judgmental and everything else, once he shows that rage... It's always right there beneath the surface. It's everything that it is saying. It is. He's a brilliant actor, and he does everything so well. I hated his character. But you loved to hate his character. Well, earlier, give me, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds here, if you want to hit the spoiler. When he got shot, I was cheering. <laughs> Kevin Wiseman. Did you recognize him from anything else? He played uh, Dale Yorks. He played Gert and Molly's dad. I didn't. So he was in Alien. He was in Moonlight. Uh, Alias, I haven't watched Gert. And he had a three-episode stint in Blacklist. He's one of, hey, that that guy. He is in a bunch of different stuff. The the guy that was basically the big bad in season one of the series. Right, showed it. He does a great job of making me hate every character he played, right? <laughs> I want to say he was in Rich. Is that where he was from? I think so. I didn't like right. his character there either. He did a great job. <laughs> and finally, we're going to fly our geek flag high and talk about Bridget who was Stacy York, the mom of Gert and Molly, who was Sasha in Kindred the Embrace. Uh, you know, I've never actually seen that series. Really? Uh, you have talked about that the entirety of our relationship as long as we've known each other coming up on 20 years right i don't think i've ever seen anything other than the previews for that series and part of me is just kind of like no no i'm good oh no we're gonna go we're gonna go second bottle of wine kindred the embrace today was the two bottle of wine minimum Fantastic actress. One of the first things she did was consider the embrace. She was also an angel. She was Wesley's girlfriend after her warlock father tried to sacrifice her. I think it was like season three or four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic actress. I was really glad to see her. The kid performers, all of the runaways, really spot on. The character of Nico in the series. I loved Nico. In the graphic novel she was cool because i played magic stuff and i was a little bit disappointed that it wasn't actual magic in the series it's basically for lack of a better term was basically technomancy the actor in the series is absolutely amazing another thing 
from what I remember in the beginning of Runaways, and again, couldn't get my hands on it, but from what I remember, her sister is a completely series-based thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Does that exist at all? No. No. But her emotions, her relationships, the way that she just holds herself, even when on the screen she breaks down, that is a, you talk about your emotional moment with Molly, it's the opposite of Nico. She's so put together, or, or at least projects that she's so put together and everything. Even when she's completely breaking down. Yes. So it's when she's visceral, it's more composed, it's more heartbreaking. Fine. Yeah. Really, like, this is someone who is very much in touch with her emotions. Yeah. We've already done the what if, because we've talked about what if all of these start interacting. Would you continue to read this series? I would want to go back, definitely, and make sure I could find that. Even if I have to find it digital, I know that the first graphic novel for this is going to be expensive either way, but I think after watching the series, I really kind of want to read that material. Just because I also really love origin stories. Unless they're done to death, like Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Superman, Batman. Take your pick. Sometimes origin stories are just overdone, but if they're not, they're great. I love them. I want to see where the team, how did this start out? Are you familiar with the current Ms. Marvel at all? Not Captain Marvel. There's a new Ms. Marvel. No, she is a Muslim teenager who has like stretchy powers, but she can also make her fists huge and elongate. She's also a huge fan. So anytime she teams up with somebody, it's her just freaking out that and fangirl like hilarious. And I just realized that this would be the perfect place to introduce her into the Marvel PB character. A lot of people. Freak out. You have a lot of fanboys out there that freak out because there's a certain character and they decided to change the rates on them. And Lady Thor coming to the next Thor movie. Look at watch that. And it's Natalie Portman's coming back for it. Yeah. It's going to be Jane. I would totally go and watch that. There's a lot of that stuff that just it doesn't make a difference to me. And actually, sometimes it makes the character more interesting. I learned that when Heroes came out. Yeah. Binder and Aaron Nakamura. These guys were amazing and it actually helps their backstory and made it more human. The fact that they were not white. <laughs> I identified with them more not being white. Actually, the best part of season two, but also Peter Petrelli is the worst villain in that series. Well, it's, yeah, uh, that's always. That's he takes a moment to an alternate timeline and then erases the timeline. It's the best art of having somebody that's supposed to be a super great hero is when you realize that, oh my God, they're actually the worst villain in the world. But in season two, there was a Latina character that her power was muscle memory. Yes, she was the muscle mimic. Yeah. Something and instantly do because it. she watched Rey Mysterio hit a fix one night and then was able to do it. The kid at the diner figured it out and started showing her professional wrestling and kung fu movies. Yep, and suddenly she was just kicking ass and taking names. Those are the kind of powers that I'm excited about. Those are the kind of thing that when they change up a character like that, hell yeah, I like just subtle variations on a theme. Molly is great because she's that. Beat stick, brute strength character that I like. 
but it's all you should do this tiny girl tiny little package that is gonna kick your ass and then go play with her hello kitty toys things like that are the things just amuse the hell i'm curious having not done the research when this came out of how pissed people were that carolyn the church raised person ended up being a lesbian it made the series just that much more real she has no idea who she is, what she is. She's experimenting. That was actually one of the things on my list of things that we need to talk about is how everything's much more modern. It's much more up to date. This is probably something that's going to stand a test of time for a while because of that. Now that we've brought up the LGBTQ undercurrent of the story, and at the very beginning of the show, you talked about how Runaways was very personal to you because of your own journey. And I'd like to hear you talk about that. In the last few years, several fights that I've had with my mother about if I grew up rural South Dakota, you don't get any more red state than where I grew up. I've spent the last 20 odd years of my life in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which I don't know if you could really call it blue, but it's blue. It's far bluer. When I grew up, I got a lot of everybody needs to be treated equally. Everybody's special all that stuff. And then by the time I hit 20, 25, 30, suddenly that's not the case anymore. And I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't how I was brought up. What's why is suddenly everything changing? It caused a lot of strife personally out to the point where I've got my mother walking out Easter morning, good Christian woman abandoned half of her children on a major Catholic holiday with just a equivalent of a 12-year-old temper tantrum drama note on the kitchen table. I thought a lot. Yeah, Runaway is, is a big deal for me because these kids have gone in the opposite direction from their parents. They've decided that they want to do different things with their lives. They're not going to be tied down to everything that has come before them, and they're not going to let everybody else make their decisions for them. So it can speak in several different levels, several different types of people. It, it calls to personal struggle. That's what makes these graphic novels and these shows and everything we're talking about special. Like I said, this one hit close to home because these kids are orphaned. Now that we got real, blood's flowing, so it's time to go. This has been another episode of Graphically Novel. You can find us first and foremost at graphicallynovel.com. That's where you'll get a lot of our announcements, a lot of special stuff, where you can see our ugly mugs, uh, Jen's pretty mug. You can get links to Bandela, who did our theme music, and who we are forever. Uh, I finally got the opportunity to sit down and listen to it all the way through, and it reminds me of, like, old school Adam West Batman. Yeah, there's a little Pink Panther in there. There's a little Batman. There's their fantastic. Also, great to look for us on iTunes and Spotify and Ditcher and Podcast Addict. If you know of a podcast service and you cannot get us, drop us a line on Facebook on the Messenger. I, we will absolutely add our RSS feed to that. We want to make sure that you can get our show. We are on Twitter, and it is graphically novel, but there is no E in the novel. Apparently, spelling out the entirety of graphically novel is one character too much for Twitter to handle. So, our handle is graphically novel, two L's in graphically, but no E in novel. And then, um, we still have a Twitch. 
I'm not doing anything with it right now. Although I might I think Switch has a Twitch app, so I might stream some Ultimate Alliance 3. I am loving Ultimate Alliance 3. I should really just give another Switch again. Mm-hmm. Then we can play. Yeah, then we can play. You know, stream this thing and you can watch us be stupid. Yep. I actually have a, uh, I have a bunch of older comic book games just for that reason, because I would thought for a while that I was going to stream it. And I did do a couple of episodes on Twitch when Spider-Man which may be the best. It is really close to Arkham City as the best comic book game I've ever played. Uh, you love that game. I mean, you Arkham talked about it. So good. I didn't even play it. I just I just listened to you talk about it and occasionally watched you play it. You were in well. Come back in two weeks for our episode on Red. Retired, extremely dangerous. Yes. The Bruce Willis movie. John Malkovich. And we will have the Baronessa with us. Yep. Here. And did you know it was a comic book first? Tune in. We'll be talking about Warren Ellis' graphic novel of Red. Until we meet again, take it away, Vandella. But the same old trouble, villains always knocking at the door. Pretty pictures on the page, but nothing ever stays the same. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right, but you don't want to see my